Welcome into another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs and getting you started here on what has been really a tremendous season for Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think probably, I don't know, three months into the season, we thought it was a wrap that he was going to win the MVP. That's another discussion as we get a little bit further deeper and closer to the end of the season. And certainly some candidates now going to make that interesting. But he cannot be denied the season that he is having. And I don't like to throw around historic too often, but we are going to an area right now with Ronald Acuna Jr., which we have never seen. And that is the combination of power and speed. I mean, this is fun to watch. I get it when you go watch a game, all eyes on Ronald Acuna Jr. And you got to see him, Spilly, with the Atlanta Braves visiting the Colorado Rockies right now for a series. But what we have seen and what we're about to see here from him after he hits uh, one more home run, and I think he'll get probably at least another nine um, stolen bases, we are potentially headed to a 30-70 season, meaning 30 home runs and 70 stolen bases. And I get the whole idea of, you know, what's going on with the bigger bases and throwing over. And I guess to some degree, there's a caveat there where you can't take away from the work that he has done. We've never seen it. We've never seen 30-60. He's going to hit one more home run, and we're going to see 30-60. You might you might, you might, might be there calling. You might be in the stands catching it uh, if you're going to be the man on the street uh, or in the crowd uh, today. But it's really incredible, Spilly. I think it deserves a lot of recognition. Historic, I think, is the time. I know sometimes we will cherry-pick numbers and ones we want to use. But what this guy is doing this season is absolutely phenomenal on both sides of the ball in the sense of power and speed. Yeah, so uh, a couple things. So we were we were talking about the power-speed combination last night. Uh, 28 home runs, 60 stolen bases. You know, like nobody's ever – Ricky Henderson's the only other player that has done that. Uh, and he, he did it twice. So Ricky did it in 1986 and, and 1990. He was the MVP in 1990 when, when he hit 28 home runs, had 60 stolen ba- over 60 stolen bases. Um, so last night when Acuna did it, um, you know, and, and he was at 28 home runs. So now he's at 29. Nobody's ever hit, had 29 home runs mm-hmm. and 60 stolen bases. So we were watching and we're like, dang, that's crazy. And the way his game, and there was just, there's, there's so much to last night's story that I, I'm excited to kind of dive into. Plus um, idiot fans making the game even just wonkier than it was. So Ronald ended up being four for five with a home run, two stolen bases. And uh, that was a historical night. And you're like, wait, what Four? So the amount of times that, that a game where it's four hits, a homer and two stolen bases and then five RBIs. So, I mean, we're really cherry picking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe our note last night was it's happened four times in major league history in a game, <laughs> in a game. So like that stuff doesn't happen. And I was great. It was kind of funny. I'm looking at this. Uh, so win probability added uh, nearly a 0.3, which is extremely high. Uh, I had a random game and, and check this out. I had a random game uh, in 2009 uh, we were playing San Francisco is May 2nd, and you're going to love the, this stat that I'm cherry picking as well. So I had a game. I went three for four. I hit two home runs and had two stolen bases. Uh, so it was like a, it was a really big game. It was off Matt Cain day game at, in San Francisco. There's only been 15 times in Major League history that a game like I had where it was it was two home runs and two stolen bases in a game ever. So like I was in like this crazy company. But to be one of four, and the last time that that a game like Acuna had was back in 1920. So, like, just to give you context, like, like what Acuna is doing, number one, 
The only person that's ever put up the season like him is Ricky Henderson, Hall of Famer. And then the fact that the game that he had last night on a on a random Monday night after the Braves got into Colorado because uh, the Braves had to play a Sunday night baseball game against the Giants, which they got they got moved to Sunday night baseball. So they they landed at, in Colorado at 2 a.m. So this is Acuna who plays every single day on a on a on a night game after a crazy travel and does something that hasn't been done since 1920. How awesome is that? That's wild, man. It is absolutely wild. And to think about uh, the travel part of that as well is a big one. I think sometimes fans gloss over that, right? A series is over. You move on to the next one. You don't really think um, much about it. But I think that part of it as well, uh, he deserves some credit. I get it. He's young. He's a professional athlete. But we know um, that this can wear you down, uh, this big league travel schedule. I want to go to the part about uh, what's happening with stolen bases in general in the league and, and the rule changes, right? So the success rate right now, is at twenty? Is at eighty percent? Twenty percent getting thrown out? Eighty percent? Um, we have, you know, we knew there was going to be an increase. I'm not sure we knew there was going to be an increase this high. It is five percent higher than what we saw last year. Uh, it is nearly ten percent higher uh, than what we saw in 2016. You don't have to go that far back. Like this success rate is incredibly high right now. Uh, with the rule changes, and it's going to be very likely uh, the highest that we're ever going to see because there's nothing even close. I mean, again, 5% going back to last year, just under 5% from 2021. Those were um, league bests as far as the, our history goes uh, in our game. And so now that we're seeing it at this number and the changes, um, does that deserve, I don't say an asterisk next to it, but when we have this conversation, should we be talking about the fact um, that, yeah, that, you know, the success rate, 5% higher this year, uh, 10% higher if you go back uh, all, not that long ago uh, in our game. You look through kind of, you know, it, late 90s into the 2000s, that success rate was about uh, 70 uh, or so. And then you go earlier than that, and the numbers dropped. That we saw a lot more uh, stolen base attempts, right? You go back to 1981, it was 65%. People talk about like 80 style baseball. 65% was the success rate on stolen bases. We're at 80 right now. Again, we've never seen the number. Uh, should that come into account at all in this conversation? Does it cheapen it for anybody? Are we poo-pooing that entire idea. Uh, I mean, there, there's some validity to it. I mean, it is it is a little bit easier to to steal a base in in 2023 than it was uh, even last year. However, in the case of Acuna, uh, next closest player to stealing bases is Corbin Carroll, and he's 21 stolen bases behind him. So, so like uh, I yeah we can water it down we can say it's a, it's a little bit easier and last night for Acuna here's what's crazy the two stolen bases uh, that Acuna had there was there was really like no throw attempt he yeah. he basically walked into second base so he he's anticipating he gets like a walking lead and then he takes off um there's one was on a on a pick from a lefty uh just like the, they they had no chance he took off first movement and he was slow to get to first there was like no throw um, on the other one, it, you know, like there's a, there's no chance to, to get him. So he had, he had two stolen bases where he, he legitimately like didn't even slide. So yeah, the bigger bases I think is one part. I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I don't think the, the technique of catchers going down to a knee is, is really a byproduct of it. Um, the two disengagements, I, I think in general, you know, teams are, if you want to steal a base, go for it. You know, like we're not going to mess with pitchers timing. 
So yeah, I I think there's a couple things that where you can you can water it down and say you know it is a little bit easier to steal a base right now. However, uh, Acuna has stolen you know what is it well over a hundred bases in his career. Mm-hmm. So he, he's right now at 168 stolen bases. So in back in 2019, he stole 37, which led the National League. So he's he's always been a base stealer. Um, but you're right. I mean, this will be if, if if Acuna gets a 70, this will be the most stolen bases since what 2000, 2010. I think Juan Pierre uh, had the last like big stolen base season, which was at 68. So, uh, yeah, I mean, get to 70 stolen. I mean, no matter what, 70 stolen bases, it's hard on your body. Uh, it takes like it takes some effort. So I think Acuna is going to get 30 uh, and 70. And then the conversation really, I mean, it, it starts getting into that MVP conversation again, right? Yeah. Where, you know, Acuna has done this since day one. Mookie Betts in the last month and a half has been just ridiculous. I mean, he now leads in wins above replacement and OPS numbers for Mookie. And he's hitting 500 this month. Um, it's crazy. You know, it's, 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 it's wild. He's making a push, man. It's going to be a great conversation, and I think there's probably no wrong answer unless we get to this final month and somebody really does take a large lead. while we play the um, entire season. 32 games left for the Braves. You said you feel like he'll get to 30-70 going back to Ronald Acuna Jr. They're going to wrap up this division probably pretty quickly, 12-and-a-half game lead that they have right now with 32 uh, to play. Obviously, they want him healthy for the postseason. Um, we're recapping this thing out for Ronald Acuna Jr. He goes into tonight. It's Tuesday morning uh, for you and I. Twenty-nine homers, sixty-one stolen bases, thirty. Is it thirty-five, seventy-five on the table? Pushing it a little bit. I think that's pushing it. I I, I think reality is here. Probably going to be around thirty-three, thirty. Yeah, I mean thirty-five would be. I mean thirty-five is a lot. Um, He's twelve yeah. a month right now on the stolen bases, right? And we're not into September yet. That's he's gonna get one through five. Yeah. He'll get 10 more stolen bases easy. That's that'll yeah. be a given. He'll get to he'll get to 70. Um he's not getting to 40 home runs unless he, he just has a mm. crazy 11 home run, you know, hundred games, hundred hundred bat span. I I could see him doing that because he's such a freak. Yeah. But I mean, like the reality of, of getting to 40 and 70 would just be unbelievable that's great that's what i'm saying too is like at some point because it hasn't been done before just the way that aaron judge won the mvp because it was such an historic season and setting the american league record for home runs is how you stole i say stole but that's how you beat out shohei otani for winning the mvp when he's doing both otherwise he's the mvp and i wonder if there's going to be some kind of separator here for acuna jr uh because it's a 30 70 season which we have never seen which i think again i know we cherry pick stats we like to me that's a that's pretty impressive. That is that changes the game dramatically. The two things that he has done, I know we like round numbers as well that we have never seen. So it's going to be uh, well, it's going to be a wild finish, man, for sure. And he's and he's leading uh, the National League in on base percentage too. I mean, he's drastically cut down his strikeout rate, uh, which which is very very impressive. Four eighteen on base percentage, which is as a leadoff hitter, and he's been there since the start. Um, there's been some lapses in judgment, you know, baseball wise because i think these guys play every single day so there's times where uh ronald makes some some mistakes both like from the outfield perspective uh there's a really strange play in san francisco on sunday night if you went back and saw that they had a uh a double play that was a four what was it it was a four one three two double play did you see that one it was it was a grounder to second 
The second baseman tossed it to, uh, I think it was Scott Alexander. Alexander then flips it to the first baseman, and then first baseman throws out, I think it was awesome, whoever was at third base uh, trying to score, and Acuna was the hitter. He wasn't he wasn't busting it out of out of the box, so he ends up being part of a kind of a random one, especially when you have the, the skill set to get up there. I want to point something out that happened yesterday mm. uh, in Colorado where um, I'm kind of getting fed up with it, and I'm a little bit nervous for players. I mean, we've seen this. You, you remember, uh, what was it? What was the name of the kissing bandit? Um, Morgana? What was her name? Morgana, the kissing bandit. <laughs> I mean, there's, and we, we get it. We, you know, you'll have a broadcaster on occasion, you know, they'll do the play by play of, of a idiot, an idiot fan running on the field. Uh, Cody Bellinger for the last couple of years, people always run out and try to give belly a, a hug and he's been cordial with it. Um, but we've also seen some versions of it where it's, a little bit scary. You had the you had the fan go out at Dodger Stadium and propose to his wife in the bleachers, but the way he goes down to a knee and holds his hands up, like you can't tell, especially in this environment, right? Like you don't know if somebody's going to do something to the crowd. Well, last night, uh, social media it's like cut it out with all this crap. I'm tired of seeing people pranking people on social media and getting themselves hurt. So this guy goes out. He wants to take a selfie with Ronald Acuna in the seventh inning. And uh, Acuna is like, he's okay. He's kind of holding, he's giving the guy, he, he's hugging him. And here comes security, Rocky security. And they, uh, one guy, you know, holds on to the guy that's taking the selfie. And then another security guard comes in and kind of like holds the guy's legs. And then a second fan runs onto the field and ends up knocking Acuna over. And he gets knocked over the security guard that's holding the feet of the, of the selfie guy. And like, could you imagine, especially knowing Acuna and, and the leg injury that he suffered, if Acuna would have somehow like a, just a freak injury ruptured his leg or, di- or did something yeah. like that's a, that's it. Like I'm not being it, like a very, he, he tumbled over the back of the security guard and landed on his back. Mm-hmm. If Acuna's season would have been ruined by some idiot doing that, like, for a social media post? But listen, under no circumstances is it acceptable. Um, it's, you know, the idea that he handled it the way that he did, I thought was impressive. And security did the best they can. It's a very difficult thing to stop, quite honestly. I mean, you're not going to have a security guard every five feet along the foul lines or potential places where player where fans could get access um, to the field. Right. I just don't think that's something um, that is reasonable and realistic. Uh, I, I tell you, and I, I know you probably appreciate this. I thought he handled it um, incredibly calmly. Like I watched it. I'm thinking, dude, you got a freebie here to, you know, first of all, protect yourself because you don't know what's going on exactly. Uh, I get it that the person's coming out there, but how do you know they're not, um, you know, they're trying to, to set a player up or something and just kind of get them comfortable and then do something um, really terrible. Um, it didn't happen, thankfully, and he was calm about it, but I thought he should have just taken care of business with that guy, quite honestly. I get it that he probably would have opened himself up to some criticism, but I'm taking no chances in that spot. And the fact that he treated that guy somewhat friendly, um, I mean, good for him, I guess, and we're certainly happy nothing happened, but he absolutely um, would have been justified in handling that guy himself physically uh, if he needed to win that spot. It was brutal. And, and I, you know, I wonder the, you mentioned it, like after they kind of get a hold of the guy, he's got one arm around Acuna. And then as they get there and they're trying to get him away, now he's got two arms. Now he's got him in a bear hug and they're trying to pull him off. And he's like acting like a maniac, even after they have him separated. 
it was brutal. And hopefully that uh, there's a really stiff penalty for that, that they're public about it in a time where it seems like we're going a little bit softer on, uh, on uh, you know, improper and illegal uh, behavior. Uh, it, this, this is, to me, something that you need to make an example to protect players and major league baseball needs to make sure that that happens and follow up on that. And not just, Hey, you got to spend the rest of the night in the junk tank in the stadium. Like, you know, most ballparks have jail cells in them and, uh, and then it's okay. Well, now the guy's sober, let him go. Like there needs to be an example made of both of those guys. So we make sure something like this, it's understood um, that it's not acceptable. Yeah. I, I would love that. I mean, tar and feather them. I, I don't care what you have to do, <laughs> but it, it's, you're right, CJ. It's it's unacceptable. It's an unacceptable behavior. I I'm all about fun. Uh, I have I love it when people you know stop me on the street and say hi. I think that's that's acceptable. But but we're talking about professional athletes on the field competing, and we like nobody knows your intention. Nobody knows your intention. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, nobody gives a crap about your social media posts. Yeah, like it's not cool. I've I've had enough of those things. Like people are are legitimately getting hurt or running the risk of of like just something bad happening. I don't want to see it anymore. It, it's like clean it up, <laughs> clean it up. And and to your point, if that means more persecution, you lose your driver's license, you're never allowed in a in a game again. Uh, I don't care. Uh, even something ridiculous with a fine. I mean, make it so it's it, you just stop. I don't yeah. want to see it. I and, and players don't like it. Like you, no. like you get people think, uh, like Ronald had a smile to get, they don't like it. You just made everybody uneasy. Mm-hmm. You're on the wrong side of the field. <laughs> You're on the wrong side of the, of, uh, of the lines. We do not want you on the field. Stay the heck off the field. You're yep. not allowed there. You remember, I, I mentioned this years ago, probably, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago when I first started getting into uh, this business. For me, I am looking for retired uh, college and football corners and D-backs to work those games and absolutely lay people out. Um, I would be there just to watch uh, that part of it. All right, let's get to our next door here. The Minnesota Twins in the American League Central have really taken control of this division. A seven-game lead for them right now. But, Spilly, the thing that is sticking out to me here with the Twins uh, is the long ball and the power. And Royce Lewis, back-to-back games for him in which he hit uh, a grand slam. Uh, kind of incredible to see and everything he has gone through with a couple of knee injuries and surgeries that he has had to deal with. Three more home runs for the Minnesota Twins in yesterday's ball game. They are fourth in baseball right now uh, in the month of August with 44 uh, home runs, and they've done that in 25 games. The Phillies uh, lead all of baseball this month with their 52 home runs, and they're certainly doing a nice job uh, hitting the long ball. This is a lower batting average, high home run kind of offense that we're seeing uh, right now. And it's also interesting, a couple of things here. One, yes, the Minnesota Twins playing well, but then also the ballpark. The ballpark over the last two months since we have gotten to the summer months, now I'm looking back since July 1st, has the second highest home run rate. Target field. It goes Yankee Stadium, target field right now. As I watched that Ranger series, Ranger twin series for four games, the ball was flying out of the ballpark. It has been flying out of there now uh, with some humidity. Uh, yes, the offenses are doing a good job. We're getting to that kind of part of the season, but it's kind of incredible to see the home run right here recently. Uh, a target field uh, ball flying all over the place, but more importantly for uh, the Minnesota Twins are playing some really good baseball here uh, in the month of August, five games over at 15 and 10. We have watched the division just kind of swimming in 
mediocrity all season long. Finally, we were waiting. Yep. Who's going to step up? Would it be Cleveland? Uh, we we watched basically the White Sox check out uh, pretty quickly. We knew the Tigers probably weren't going to be there. This came down to uh, really two teams, and the Guardians, unfortunately, have not been able to keep pace. And now, all of a sudden, here we are. Uh, the Minnesota Twins starting to separate themselves and looking like, I don't want to say they're going to coast uh, to being division winners, um, but I can't imagine they they give it up at this point. No, I can't either, and you're right. I mean, you, you have Pablo Lopez and Gavin Williams matching up. By the way, Gavin Williams has been filthy for Cleveland. So they, they're, they're like Cleveland's legitimately down two games in Minnesota. And then they, there's there's three games in Cleveland uh, over Labor Day uh, weekend. Or So, I mean, essentially, if you're Minnesota and you have your way with Cleveland in the next five games that are remaining, it's done. Hmm. It's done. It's over. Yeah. Uh, and so you can you can essentially, I mean, by September 7th, in reality, if 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 the twins take both series, it's over. It's there. There's done. It would be virtually impossible with the head to head and with the remaining schedule for the Cleveland Guardians to make up ground. You just can't do it. So and watching this team, I, I think we've pointed this out when it came to uh, Minnesota twins and their starting rotation. It's hard. It, you'd be hard pressed to find a better rotation based on the numbers, based on the arms. Then the Minnesota Twins, they have been they have been fantastic. They lead yeah. uh, all of baseball in starters strikeouts. They, they strike out more than anybody. Um, they're right down there in in walks per nine. So they do not give up walks. They're low on the whip. Uh, I mean, all those things. They, they're they're really good. It's, it was the offense is very similar to Seattle. Seattle is very similar where this team probably should have took it off earlier, but it was the offense holding them back. And mm -hmm. and once the offense started to, to pick up pace, it, it's really hard uh, to compete with this team when their pitching staff is so good. So um, it's good to see if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, and I'm with you too. I I remember when we first went to Target Field in, when I was with the Rockies, and uh, we heard like, man, this place is hard to hit homers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we showed up in, in July when it warmed up, and uh, the ball was flying. So it's a beautiful field. If you haven't gone yeah. to Target Field, it's gorgeous. I love that yep. field. When you get good weather there, not so much fun necessarily in April, uh, but it is a good uh, good ballpark. I like the design of it. I like what they have going on in left field, kind of with those different levels of places to eat and bars and whatnot. It's it's a good ballpark, and they're getting good crowds because their team is playing well, and very likely they're going to win uh, the American League Central. Nice little piece of news for them yesterday. Uh, one of their original draft picks back from 2018 out of Dallas Baptist University, 26-year-old rookie Cody Funderburk, which is just an amazing name, uh, picked up a win in his first appearance uh, yesterday. He came in relief and did a nice job, a couple of shutout innings. It and, is a uh, fun name. Picked up, you know what? But you know what's disappointing? The most disappointing news out of all of it is that he is not related uh, to Mark Funderburk, uh, which is also a great name. Uh, who was a player from the 80s. I believe he was a DH uh, back in the day. No relation. So we now have two Thunderbirks um, in baseball. you got to make sure you take your time uh, when you say the name. He is the 23,067th player now uh, in Major League history, but he Beautiful. picks up a win in his first outing, uh, the big lefty. So that was really um, cool to see. One more uh, rookie story here, Spilly, before uh, we wrap things up, and a pretty good one for Kyle Harrison. A third round Oof. pick back in 2020 for the San Francisco Giants. I mean, getting to the big leagues and helping this team at the right time. A couple of starts for him. He has punched out 16 in nine and two thirds innings so far. You've seen the Giants a bunch. I got to see them not that long ago. I mean, they are essentially like two or three starters. 
two or three openers every time they go through the rotation. It's not their first choice. It is a matter of based on kind of what they have and their best uh, way to win. But now here comes a young rookie left-hander, Kyle Harrison at 22 years old, two starts in, perhaps they have found themselves a starter here to stick the rest of the way as they make a run, because I get it. I know the opener works and in different things and Gabe Kapler and his staff, they do a nice job making the most of it. But again, it's not your first choice. You'd like to have some starters that can at least give you uh, five innings and this guy creating some tremendous swing and miss and a lot of buzz around San Francisco. Have you, have, did you get a chance to see him pitch? I saw him yes. uh, make his debut against the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, the second I saw the, the first fastball pop out of his hands, I was like, oh crap. I think this guy is going to be a problem for, for any hitter because he was explosive. There's extension. There's a high, he's a high spin rate. Um, I'm trying to come up with some, some comparables of, of like, mechanically he kind of reminded me of, of Derek Holland a little bit like mm-hmm. early Derek Holland, but this guy is, he's a lot more drop and drive. That's how he gets that extension. Um, man, the, the ball like looks like it's on a line and it, it just explodes. And so last night as, as I was watching, I was pointing to our stats guy, <laughs> Doug Marino, uh, who watches a lot of baseball. And we, we love watching giants games together. Cause we, we also love their broadcast. And uh, I said to Doug, I was like, have you seen this kid throw? And he goes, no. And he sees one pitch and he goes, it just turns around and his jaw is like open. I was like, yep, <laughs> yep. He's got that fastball. You can tell that that certain players, when they come on the scene, like Jacob DeGrom, when we saw him for like the first time you saw DeGrom pitch and you're seeing like this, it looks like the ball's just rising on television. And you're like, whoa, uh, that looks different. His fastball looks different. And yeah. in and in his start last night, he ended up with 11 strikeouts. And then there was this note. He's only the third Giants rookie in the franchise's history with 10 or more strikeouts. Mm-hmm. It's it's Harrison, Madison Bumgarner, and Christy Matheson. That's Isn't that crazy? Wild. When you get to Christy Matheson for anything... Um, it's amazing because obviously we're talking about significantly different errors, but he did some awesome things and he was kind of an Ironman. I believe he was, he had like three shutouts in the world series one year, like just nonsense with like two days rest in between. So that's a fun name to get a comp on. Here's where I went with it. My first look, and I don't claim to be a scout, but, and I get to see him now a lot. So that was part of it. But Andrew Heaney, right? Andrew Heaney is all four seam fastball. He's got a low attack angle. The ball plays better at the top of the zone. Uh, now, Harrison throws right now at this point a couple miles an hour harder, right? He was sitting in 94 where Heaney's at about 92. I don't know why they call it a slurve. It looks like a, you know, a hard curveball slider to me. I and mean, we just, we get so ridiculous with making things up and not making it up, but just changing and taking pitch classification too far. Uh, but those two pitches, the combination of the two, there was a lot of similarities there um, for me because Heaney's pretty much fastball slider. I'll mix in that change. point is there for him is with a guy like Andrew Heaney, it's no uh, two seamer, right? He's not a lefty. That's going to sink the ball. That's going to run the ball. And that's the same thing here for Kyle. Uh, Harrison as well. So it's four seam, it's hard slider uh, or slow or hard curveball, slow slider, whatever you want to call it. There, that's why they call it a slurve. It's kind of a tweener uh, or knuckle curve kind of gets you that there sometimes as well. Um, but it's a great combination against righties and that fastball plays well up in the zone, up and in, it's going to jump on you. And he uses that breaking ball really well. That back foot breaking ball has been um, tremendous for him. We see a couple of change ups in there uh, as well, but four seam fastball and slider for him 
filthy combination. But you tell me, you go back and next time you have a chance to watch an Andrew Heaney highlight and see some of those similarities of where Heaney is now. Yeah. Now, Heaney's a changed one. a little bit over the years. Um, but where he is now and the way that fastball plays. I, this is the area in which I get so jealous of this generation is that they can take their stuff. It's already kind of been run through the machine, and you have you have a much better idea who you are, what your stuff is, how it best plays really quickly, and then you go work on kind of refining your craft, right? But it's not you're not, you know, feeling things out and testing things. You know, should I do this? Should I be a traditional lefty? Do I need to run the ball? Right? I mean, there was a time that you would look at a, a guy like this and say, man, you got to figure out a way to sink the ball. You know, how are you going to get righties out? And he's not doing it with a changeup, and he's not doing it with a two-seamer. It's his four-seam uh, you know, slider combination. It's cool to watch, man. But he looks pretty good. But bigger picture here for the Giants, they needed this shot in the arm from a starter oh, yeah. in the worst way right now. Yeah, and I was ready to, to write. I, I still feel I feel pretty confident the Giants are, are going to get left behind just based on how the Cubs are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamondbacks are have been playing really, really well. They, they ended up back in that wild-card spot. Uh, but then they go to Dodger Sam and Zach Allen just got punched in the face <laughs> by the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, so much for your Cy Young. I hopefully it doesn't come down to one start for Zach Allen and, and not getting Cy Young there. But um, you're right. I mean, the Giants really did need this shot in the arm. And it was really neat, too, for Kyle Harrison because the Giants were his team growing up. I mean, he grew up in, in the San Francisco area and uh, his family was there last night. They were going they were going crazy. I'm not sure if you saw, I, I I don't know if it was his sister, significant other or whatever, but she was a hot mess. Like she was a puddle. She was, <laughs> she was crying. She was just oh, like with joy. And it was, it's so refreshing to see that, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you see family members and they're just like overwhelmed by, by, you know, being in the big leagues and you kind of need those friendly reminders sometimes of, of what a unique experience being a major leaguer is and, and to share it with family and then to have a, a quality result and something historic um, and to see like, you know, cause they're in it too. Your family members are in it with you. Um, so that was, that was really cool to see. I loved it. Yeah. Concord, which is about 30 miles outside of San Francisco, just past uh, Walnut Creek and, and Pleasant Hill. So he was closer to Oakland, um, but a San Francisco uh, giant fan drafted at a high school uh, third round 2020. And he really has emerged um, at the right time. Last thing, Spilly, and we'll get out of here. Big day today for me. Two big reasons today. One, I got the smoker fired up this morning. I'm Ooh. in on ribs. And I think I told you about my triple B burger, uh, bison, blue cheese, bacon. Uh, they're getting ready to go in here in a little bit. I am so, so excited. And then it's softball night tonight. Uh, co-ed softball game tonight at nine o'clock. Like I'm in bed at nine o'clock usually, uh, but the game is at nine. So, uh, you know, I mentioned how sore I was last time you and I talked and uh, game tonight. So we will, uh, we'll see if I show up. I mean, like I told you, the pressure to perform is perhaps greater than any other pressure I felt in nine years, nine, 19 years of playing professionally. If I don't deliver, there is going to be a lot of disappointed tennis players uh, at our game. tonight. Let me just tell you one thing, CJ, uh, you can fall out of bed and be better than anybody on that field. Okay. <laughs> so you're like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Just go have a good time mm. uh, and try not to get hurt. Worst case, I'll be happy because my belly will be full of ribs and uh, the triple B burger, bison, bacon, and blue cheese. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast today. Negative war, positive vibes. We also appreciate if you would like, subscribe, share. It's our new home now. Uh, the Loudouts podcast is gone. Loudouts the show, though, still alive and well. Two to five Eastern time on MLB Network Radio, Monday through Friday. Have a wonderful day. Everybody.